Well, I am rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. We've reached the end of Firefly. Well, the end of the series of Firefly, but the story continues in our hearts. It will not continue in my heart. Uh-huh. I will probably never think about Firefly ever again. We are going to. I'm going to make sure to compare every show we ever talk about to Firefly at some point. We we will talk about Firefly <laughs> as a whole uh, later on in the podcast, I think. But we we should dispense with Serenity first. I we weren't looking forward to watching this. We were not, and I think that primarily because I, I realized something after we finished watching Serenity. I, you know, I watched Firefly, I think in 2004, I was actually out of the country when Firefly was initially aired on television. I was in England doing a grad degree. And so I didn't actually see it until I I came back and I think it was 2003 or 2004. And I watched it on, on DVD and then I really liked it at the time. And then I was really excited for the movie to come out. The movie came out in, in, I think October or September of 2005 in the fall anyway. And, uh, I, I went to see it and it was not that good. And I was kind of like, okay, um, I think this is why I don't like Firefly. And so that was the last experience I had with Firefly mm. as an entity. And I think that's why I sort of had this weird reaction to it all these years. Well, there was kind of this distasteful one-two punch of Objects in Space and Serenity, which in many ways is a remake of Objects in Space. Um, and yeah, and both are very much Joss Whedon, you know, writing and... I guess one of the things I note I one of the things I will say about the movie is it very much moves. It's very well paced. It doesn't feel like a two hour long movie. It's very A two hour oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's I mean, I think the direction of the movie is excellent. And you know, especially the action sequences are very well done. The um Yeah, I mean you can see why they gave him the Avengers to do. I yeah, exactly. Yeah. I re- I remember the frankly, I remember the you know, River fighting everybody at the end scene being a lot longer, but And that's know. actually one of the things that I think is really, really hard to pull off yeah. is is making action sequences that are you know, intelligible to the to the audience. Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of action movies now are not very good at that. That's a lot of the reason I don't watch action movies because I can't figure out what the hell going on yeah but um in terms of that in terms of the writing of the script though i think our ge- our general view of uh, firefly is, is generally a little weaker when joss whedon's writing it and mm-hmm. this is very much joss whedon's baby yeah yeah absolutely i think that i mean one of the things that is that is really i think interesting about serenity is that it is I like the first half of it a lot better than the second yes. half. I I think that, you know, the, the 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 dialogue in the movie is good for the most part. I think that he gets the characters right. Just we can write great quips no matter what. He'll yeah. always be able to write a great one-liner. He's he's good at that. I think that where he falls down is uh, frankly making making this universe a little too simplistic. Yeah. I think one of the things that I really grew to appreciate about Firefly was was the the grayness of it and sort of the you know, not everything is black and white. Not everything is is as straightforward as as it appears. There are no easy answers. There are no easy explanations. Yeah. You know, the Reavers, for example, while I think that in general they are a, a bad idea and they're sort of a misfire, I, the, I don't know that we needed a... I don't know that we needed a reason for why the Reavers existed and the reason that we get is... I mean, it's like a Bond movie. Yeah, I it's, guess. <laughs> I guess I feel like in a lot of so, 
I, I know going into Firefly, we had remembered the Reavers being a huge part. They're in the pilot just seen very briefly, but they're not really a part of it. Um, they're in the episode they, – their after effects are in the episode Bushwhacked, yep. and they're in this movie, but that's that's it. That's really it, yeah. And in a way, this uh, – the way they're seen in the fir- their first couple of appearances is some kind of almost – you know, Lovecraftian, you know, horror thing. It's very, it's very disturbing. Here, it's just crazy. Uh, it's cra- almost like zombies. Or yeah, something. I mean, they, they, they were much. There, this movie is about take is about unzippering the suits in a lot of ways. It yeah, gives us a lame scientific reason. It says also, frankly, the fact that it turns out the Reavers are about ten, a dozen years old at most. Uh, I had a lot of problems yeah, with that, actually, because that... I did not understand. They said it happened 12 years ago. So how did the Reaver mythos become so large in the consciousness of everybody yeah, in 12 is, years? I mean, the, the closest to that I can come with is that, you know, I, 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 in, in the real world, if, peop, if people began mindlessly attacking, we'd say, oh, they're zombies because there's already this archetype that, right. you know, we go on. So maybe the Reavers are just a general boogeyman story that you tell in space. You know, they're just that that version of – and suddenly these, you know, victims of Miranda start attacking. Well, they did they attack like Reavers and that – you know, it's a nice shorthand name for it, but but yeah, that does I mean, seem very, but it seems very half-assed and lame. It does, and I, I don't understand. Also, I mean, the Reavers in general, I had a, a major problem with in, in, in the show because it just frankly doesn't make any sense. No, uh, you know, mindless people that are uh, you know cannibalizing and raping. Uh, how are they keeping a society yeah. functioning? How are they running spaceships? It, and this version makes it together. even less right because they're they've essentially lost their minds. And how did they leave the planet where did they get their ships yeah. it did the whole thing just doesn't hang together no the one of the things that i have read about serenity is this was more or less intended to be where the story was going gonna end up going end of season two beginning of season three so they would have probably and, and so maybe given an extra season and a half season two breathe maybe have another appearance of the reavers or two maybe have you know this kind. You know maybe tell the legend a little bit stronger. Uh, would have made sense. Parse out these rev- revelations. The fact that this has to be resolved in a movie. And I do. I do wonder about that too because I, I read the same thing that that Joss Whedon partially based this script on uh, story ideas or story notes that they yeah. had come come up with for the second season. And of course that never happened. But you know. The, the chances that it would have been exactly this are probably very slim. Yes, of course. And I think that it would have been better, frankly. You know, yeah. I, I will say that I think that, that Firefly in general does translate well to the big screen. And it's not that I hated this movie. I mean, it is enjoyable. There are parts of it that I like. I think that it's a flawed creation. I think Firefly in general is not perfect, but but what is? I mean, there are very few television shows that are perfect. And... You know, the the parts of it that I – I wish that Tim Minear had co-wrote this script yeah. with Joss Whedon. I think that it, it just it, – it comes across as – I mean, I understand Joss Whedon's impulse to really put a capper on this story and give the Browncoats a – a resolution, right? Yeah, and and that all that's all fine. And I think that while it does leave the story open for another sequel, which never materialized, obviously, because the movie lost money, um, and it is kind of funny to think about the the uh, the you know sort of like the internet uh, response and the, and the hype to this movie because yeah. everybody that was a Firefly fan, Fire, that's hard to say, <laughs> Firefly fan. 
in, in 2004, 2005, thought that Serenity was going to be this massive hit. Yeah. It was going to make $300 million, and it turned out to make like less than $30 million. I it, mean, it disappeared from theaters very quickly. I feel and like it's mostly yeah. forgotten at this point. I feel like a big problem of it is this is very much. I mean, number one, it isn't even we didn't we didn't even find the river arc to be the, or the reaver arc to be the most interesting arcs of the series. But this this is not a standalone piece. You couldn't just watch Serenity. You know, this isn't the free, you know, I don't know about I that. Know. I, I, I was reading the Roger Ebert uh, review of this movie after we watched it and he liked it. I mean, okay. I, think, I think you can watch this movie on its own and I actually will. I will defend that. And I think that's one of the things that actually works pretty well about the movie is that it is a, you can watch it as a standalone movie and it's, it, it apparently is entertaining. OK, you know, I, I think that. Joss Whedon does a good job at setting up the universe in a clever way in the very beginning. Yes. He's giving the, the little school lesson about the whole solar system. And I was right. And I remember that it is just one solar system. I was very proud of myself for that. Uh-huh. Well, I guess what had, you know, yeah, what had always thrown me was, and they mentioned it here, you know, there's dozens of planets and hundreds of moons. So I just didn't understand the scope of it. I figured because it's so large, you know, what planets have nine solar, nine solar systems have nine planets like ours, roughly. No. You know? Okay. That is not true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, th- thank you. I, I don't know much about astronomy. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, and I think that if the arc of the movie is not where the TV show's strengths were, I do think that the movie does have a lot of charm and it does do a. I mean, the one thing I thought was really, yeah. really weird about the movie actually was. How action packed it was because that yeah. was always a network note that was coming from Fox to make it more action oriented. And so it seems weird to me that it did have all of these yeah. big action sequences. And especially, I mean, Summer Glow in particular is excellent. I mean, I was contrasting this in a lot of ways to Buffy because, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller is just as good of a physical actress in a lot of ways, but the combat in Buffy is much more martial arts oriented. And I thought it was very nice to see, you know, it. It, it's directing a very similar type of character, a you know thin girl who can kick ass, uh, in a very different way. It's a very different type of action sequence. It's sad that they weren't able to utilize her more in the show. And also, frankly, she's terrifying. Yes, I mean she she essentially wipes out all the reavers that are attacking them at the end of the movie. And so graceful. I mean, again, they're using the fact that she's a dancer, but she's barely breaking a sweat during it too. Yeah, yeah. And I think that you know. I, I, well, let, let's talk about the characters because I think that the characters are probably the weirdest part of the movie. And, you know, the movie takes place eight months after the last okay. episode of the show. I picked up on that. Okay. That doesn't seem like enough time or it seems like not. I don't know. It's like for for all of the changes that happen, which aren't that many, but at the same time, it seems like a lot of changes have gone on. I mean, Book has left for some reason. Yeah, that's the and, part that we felt was very... Well, well actually, so they Joss Whedon killed Book and Wash because the actors couldn't uh, commit to a sequel. Okay. And that was the reason why they were killed in this movie. Hmm. Okay. That seems a little uh, obnoxious, especially considering that Everyone loves Book and Wash, but yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, the actors just couldn't do it for some reason. No, no, no. I mean, not not committing to a sequel, but whatever, you know, that that they they could make a movie and just, oh, well, Wash is, you know, away. Movies do that. 
do they? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, like TV uh, uh, shows uh, do that. Movies yeah. don't do that. No, I don't have a problem Fair with enough. I don't have a problem with Wash and and Book being killed in this movie. I think that you know, if they could not commit to a sequel, and of course it didn't matter because the sequel was never made because again the movie did terrible terribly financially, but you know, I I, I like the fact that they're given uh, an ending essentially. Yeah, fair enough. You know, because this is really a movie about giving an ending, and if it is a little open ended at the end, if it is a little like okay, what's going to happen next, it is still satisfying enough as an ending to this story that I'm fine with it. Yeah, all the characters are in a restful home place, kind of in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I well. It's interesting because one of the characters that I had the most, I think, uh, disappointment with or problem with in in Firefly was Zoe because I never yeah. really felt like the show did much with her. I thought she was a very intriguing character. She obviously had a lot of history with Mal, but they never really did much with it. And this movie fixed a lot of that yes. for me. I think that the the very early scene with Zoe openly questioning Mal uh really really arguing with him and giving it to yeah. him and and convincing him to do something that he probably didn't want to do i think was probably the finest dialogue that she was ever given yeah and i have to say that so that's the scene where she's saying you know why did we let that guy go you know why didn't we right okay so that was a very interesting sequence because of how well it mimics janestown which is something i didn't pick up on until this watch what they 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 literally have a sense a scene where in both cases the weight of an extra person was too much and they dumped a person and Jane reluctantly threw you know dropped the payload Mal was not even willing to drop the payload in this case yeah um which which goes to show you exactly how desperate the situation yes. has become for them of course yeah because that is kind of the underlying. Uh, feeling of the of the movie is that or the opening parts of it at least is that it's been eight months since the show was canceled and they're not doing well yeah there's that line he says you know the alliance is making it harder every year so yeah eight eight more months of alliance expansion is going to have more cops around yeah and i think that that what what that scene really shows on, on zoe's part is that she is i don't know that she's internalized that i think that mal mal is a well, character that that really does shoulder the weight of command on his own he's not someone who really shares it with anybody else and you know if if zoe knows how desperate the situation is perhaps she has not internalized it as well, well as mal has i think there isn't another degree to which zoe kind of is acting as mal's conscience in that thing she's yeah. making it very i mean i like that she ends it with saying you know i don't disagree on any particular point there and but I think she's making very making sure that he thinks about this in certain particular ways. He needs to realize that he's changed since the war. He needs to realize that he's placed their financial security above life. He needs to realize these things that he's done. You know, if at the end of the day that's still his decision, obviously they can't go back and you know change right. it. But I, I think she's making it clear that the, de- the decision is framed in a moral way. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I think that. It- if that's the one thing that I think I'm most disappointed with about Firefly in general is that we never really got a good sense of what drove the war, what the war was yeah. about, what the Alliance is about. We get a little bit more in this movie about what the Alliance is about. It's a, you know, I mean, of course, we are getting the the party line yeah. from the Alliance that it is a, you know, parliamentary democracy that is you know, pushing out civilization and helping everybody and blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. But what was, 
what were the rebels fighting for? And what was Mal fighting for? What was Zoe fighting for? What was the impetus for the war? It, it, the, the whole thing. And that's sort of like, it's not that it's that important necessarily. And I think that we probably would have gotten it if the show had been on for seven years. But it does feel a little underbaked. It does feel like an important part of the story that is never really satisfactorily explained. Yeah. I, and in many ways, we saw these little glimmers that perhaps the Alliance was not this, you know, ha 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 evil organization. Um, Which is why the end of the movie is so disappointing. Yeah. The, uh, the Alliance has done, has not only taken people's freedom, you know, it, it comes off as a dictatorship that's willing to use drugs to, you know, get people in line to some kind of ideal. And I don't know. That's a, that's a vision that certainly there, I think the show would be more interesting if this was, had a more nuanced understanding of order. Yeah. Uh, this, this movie really doesn't see the difference between order and fascism. And I'm not necessarily sure whether there is a difference between the two or not, but... Well, of course there is. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, so I guess maybe the uh, movie should have made that a little clearer because this certainly seems to think any kind of authority is bad. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if that is really held up for by the movie. I think that it's not clear enough what the show or what the movie thinks about it to really make a decision about that one way or the other. You know, certainly Mal is not someone who, you know, respects authority, is not someone who is going to bow down to authority. But at the same time, I don't know that you could really argue that the show is saying that all order is bad. You know, I mean, because, of course, the rebels had to have some sort of order to fight a war, you know, and and there is an element of so whatness to it. You know, like at the end of the day, it is I don't know, making it one solar system also makes it a little problematic for me as well, because I don't know why does the Alliance want everyone to be under their rule? What what are they getting out of it? Like that's that's what I'm left with. Like I think that the Alliance is a problem for me because it is so ill-defined. We never really get a sense of really what it's about. We never really see we never get the point of view of an Alliance citizen. Yeah. We never get the point of view of you know an Alliance you know, a, a parliamentary member. We never, yeah. Like, that, and I mean, of, like that's maybe if, if we had had another season, we would have seen parliament. We would have met a parliament member or two. That would be maybe another character that would, you know, muddle things in this movie. But I can, I think I could see a version that has, you know, let's say we've met a few parliament members and imagine this movie beginning with them dispatching the operative, for example. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem with it, too, is that the only the only sort of, you know, members of the alliance that we've ever seen are this operative, the got a jubal from the last episode, Objects in Space. We saw, you know, various alliance troopers and, yeah. and things like that. But the, it was all sort of just jackboot thugs. And and that one officer from Bushwhack. They can't all be like that. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm getting at is like there has to be something that's hanging the alliance together. The alliance doesn't seem like a fascist organization to me. Yeah. In a way, the... It may be. The Alliance, in many ways, is an examination of whether or not the ends justify the means. Um, The Alliance, you know, certainly the operative views things as, you know, I'm creating a better world, but I'm a monster. That won't have a part in it. You know, certain dreadful things are necessary in order to bring utopia. That seems to be the Alliance's kind of 
method of and certainly the the uh, certainly Mal and the Browncoats believe that no, there are certain lines that cannot be crossed. Um, but at the same time, I guess we aren't really seeing what the ends are. Right. And the ends don't look that great. You know, if the. Well, because at the end of the day, the, the life on the border planets and border moon still seems pretty damn shitty. And, you know, ostensibly since the Alliance did win the war, they are all under the auspices of the Alliance. You know what? I mean, uh, not to get too into DS9 right now, but one of the plot lines in DS9 is about these um, – there's certain border planets between – the uh, planets that are on the border between Cardassian and Federation territories and um, there the, – the, basically there's all these weird border disputes and you have certain – planets of Federation citizens in the Cardassian territory. Um, the Federation in this in that has essentially extended, you know, basically said, we'll rehouse you anywhere you want. You know, you can certainly be Federation citizens. They're sticking on their homes and they're therefore outside of the Federation control. If the border planets were a situation a little more like that, the Alliance has offered them civilization and resources at any point. You know, all they have to do is join and, you know, they're choosing not to and do so, and they're being outside of it. Like I think that version of the alliance is makes a little more sense. Yeah, because I guess my question is always like, what what exactly is the alliance getting out of wanting these border planets and border moons? Yeah, like, they don't seem to have any resources. They were terraformed, which is you know very expensive and very time consuming. I don't, and not don't, terraformed as well. We are definitely told in the series the more centralized planets are more well terraformed and outside. Right. It's now certainly. I think it would be very interesting to have had a character who is a alliance terraforming person who can explain to us, you know, why you know we're slowly spreading it out. Yeah, you know, we start from the center and we're working our way outward. You know, this or is the why researchers are well, strapped. The, the easier planets to terraform. I mean, there yeah. are planets that are very close to Earth standard that they can terraform very easily. Whereas there's other moons yeah. and stuff that are just barren rocks that they have to terraform. You know, created atmosphere from scratch and all. You know, yeah. In other words, you know, there there is uh, there is the possibility of an of that kind of an explanation, but the show seems to just go well. The alliance should have terraformed everybody right away. Right, right. But at the same time, that you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess we want to show where the alliance is a little more benevolent because that makes it a lot more interesting. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and this otherwise is kind of, it becomes a good and evil story. Well, right, and this is kind of the problem with Serenity in general is that you know, especially the end of the movie with the big reveal that there was this planet Miranda that had thirty million people on it, and they were pumping. Uh, some sort of drug into the atmosphere to make them calm, but it you know it, the the thing is it backfired and it made yeah. them too calm and they stopped eating and they you know basically they stopped doing anything and they just laid down and died. Now uh, you know I, I don't know how I feel about that. I think that that makes the alliance out to be a little too evil for me. And uh, you know I guess we have to take it on its face value because that's what the movie did and that's what the show yeah. said about the alliance, but. You know, it's one thing if it. It's I not. Mean, the, it would be one thing if they were trying to. You know what? What? What if they said they were trying to invent? You know, create a drug that would. You know, help calm people who were. You know, going through psychosis, for example, and. Uh, you know, we we are just dealing with one lab, one complex, uh, where they're right. trying this out, for example, and. I mean, that's a different story. That that gives the alliance some plausible. We're trying to do this for people's good. 
ordinary, you know, that well, it, it, that did, that just doesn't exist. In- I, oh, I think I think where the movie was going with that is the idea that even on a planet yeah. like Miranda, which seemed a lot nicer than a lot of the other border planets, yeah, it it is an element of. Even the people on a planet like that were not exactly happy to be under Alliance rule, and the and the Alliance was trying different things to keep them in line. Yeah, I mean now, the way the, the the very first thing that the scientist says, you know, is they stopped fighting. That suggests that they had been fighting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's why Portland doesn't put fluoride in its water because fluoride is a way for for the government to keep you calm. Mm, it could be. Well, yeah, and I think let's talk about the operative because. He he's a he's a much better character than than Jubal from the last episode. Now, he's, yeah, he's a lot less um, rapey. Sort of, yeah, <laughs> well, I of, mean, sort of, was... sort of college existentialist dialogue that's not very interesting. Yeah, see, like it's. I wasn't sure if I remembered the you know Jubal as an early draft of the operative just because two are both are you know played by black actors in body armor. You know, is that simply it? You know, it does seem that the operative at least has motivations or at least his philosophy is a lot more concrete rather than just reading lines out of a out of a book. But, I mean, I don't find either to be that great of a villain, I guess. No, they're not. I mean, I think that the movie is uh, probably would have been fine without the operative. I, I don't know that you need the character. I think that there's enough conflict in the movie with them trying to figure out exactly what's going on with River and, yeah, and the but, Reavers. But and at the all same time, again, season two where the operative is the big bad that they're facing every so often maybe would have been more interesting. It could have been, yeah. I, and I think that, you know, I, I will say that the, the thing that I do like about the movie is that it does give us a pretty good reason for why the Alliance wants to get River back. Yeah. You know, this idea that she is psychic and uh, uh, knows a lot of secrets you know, from 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 the government of the alliance, I will say of Miranda and all this yeah. stuff. Like, I do like that. It gives me a reason for kind yes. of why they actually want her back so badly. Well, I do find it kind of hilarious that you know the operative obviously chews out the head of the River Project for you know you let members of Parliament you know in, which makes sense, but. The members of Parliament, you know, they didn't think themselves like I shouldn't be in a room with a psychic. Well, maybe they didn't know she was psychic. Who <laughs> Fair knows? enough. Like, I've got a great surprise for you. Here is a yeah, that could be. Um, but also, I, I, it, it, in a way, though, I feel like it downplays rivers because all issues because all they are is knowing this one secret, and that makes her better in the end. Is kind um, of the implication. I don't know if she's. I mean, I don't know that we could really say that she's better in the end. I mean, she certainly doesn't seem much different than she did in the TV show. That said, and, the um, you know, that line at the end, I'm okay. Oh, I'm okay. You know, seems to imply that for the purposes of this movie, now certainly the sequel, you know, could be based, could have been based on River unearths another secret about the Alliance and, you know, is troubled again, kind of a thing. They can go into that well another time. But, you know, for the purposes of the movie, you know, in a very Freudian psychology sense, she's okay. I guess. Then again, Freudian psychology has been thoroughly discredited and i guess maybe that's part of my issue with it you know i don't really necessarily like that uh treat i i I understand why movies have that treatment of mental health where you know you figure out the reason behind it you know and they're cured you know uh, that's obvious but at the same time that's you know not the way the real world works and i find that's a i think it's i think it's interesting because i kind of read that that line almost entirely differently i I read that as river trying to convince herself that she was okay Mm. and i don't think she is you know and i don't think that the movie thinks she is 
So mm. that's just a difference of opinion, I guess. Well, but... I, I mean, the, the movie ends with a sense of okayness as, you know, kind of on the larger scale. I mean, we we were joking at the very end, you know, Zoe has that line, oh, she's needs some patching up, but she'll still fly. It was like, she's talking about herself. Yeah. But, but in general, the characters are not okay at this particular moment. They've seen a lot of... Really, Especially Simon's hair is not okay in this movie. You know something? He needs a space haircut. Also, he um, never took his shirt off. Uh, he did dis- at the end. He did? Yeah, when he and Kaylee were making out. Oh, yeah. That's right. Okay. Um, None of the characters are really okay in the sense that, you know, they're not 100%. They've seen some shit. They, they're they doing kind of, you know, poorly in some ways. They've been, always husband is dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they've had a lot of major setbacks, but they also know that they have... A support network in each other and i think in the pilot they have that line where you know we're still flying you know is that enough well yeah it's you know it's what we got and the okay in the serenity in the firefly universe means still flying yeah yeah i think so well and i want to i want to talk about simon a little bit in this movie because he is one of the one of the things that i think the movie does a good job with is establishing these characters i mean obviously if you had not seen the show the, these characters are just the way that they are yeah but I do think that the movie does a good job with establishing a little bit of a different dynamic for these characters because it is eight months later. You know, Simon is, we don't know what's been going on for these eight months, but it seems like things have gotten pretty rough. It seems like everybody is kind of on edge, frankly, because they're having a lot of close calls with the Alliance. They're running out of money. They're running out of food. They're running out of all kinds of things. The ship is falling apart. Yeah. And, you know, everyone is essentially just kind of, you know, on their last nerve. And, you know, Simon is openly arguing with with Mao, which is something that he never really yeah. did on the show. Um, he's got a terrible haircut, which is a, is a visual maybe re- visual Mao representation. gave him the haircut. Maybe. Well, it's a visual representation of exactly his mental state, which is that he has a bad haircut. But also that, you know, it is a weird thing for me that the movie starts out with with that scene of Simon rescuing River because yeah. it establishes that Simon knew that River was a psychic. And that yeah. seems like a little bit of a retcon to me. And, and, and for example, he the doctor specifically mentions the neural stripping, which you know when Simon discovers it in Ariel, he's shocked by. Yeah, there's a little bit of stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's almost like Joss Whedon didn't pay attention to his show or something. Mm. I don't know, but no, you get the sense there is a degree to which this is Joss Whedon saying, "No, this is what I wanted it to be," you know, and. A little pissed that other people maybe took his universe in different ways than he wanted. But, again, this this movie is very much Joss Whedon's baby in every way, which... Yeah, I think that's true. We're coming off mediocre on Whedon after this. Well, I, I mean... You after know, Dr. He, Horrible, we really came out. Fun. Oh, God, Dr. Horrible. Let's not even talk about that. Yeah, I don't know. Whedon is one of those guys that I think is is a really interesting talent, but... You know, he has some quirks that get on my nerves, I guess, is, yeah. is my, and some interests that get on my nerves. Let's just, yeah. let's just say that, you know. Uh, okay. What about – we haven't talked about Inara. We haven't talked about Kaylee, really. I mean, a lot of the char- – I mean, Jane is just there for comic well, relief. Kaylee really doesn't have much to do in this movie. Uh, Inara just kind of appears for no reason. I mean, they do. I think the movie. I mean, we haven't well, talked a lot about how the movie is structured. I think the movie is structured pretty well. I think that yeah, again, the pacing get, was ex- excellent. The pacing was good. I think getting all the characters in play, even the ones that have left the ship, makes sense. The movie is is it doesn't spend too much time with any of the characters. I think that we kind of get a good sense of all of them. You know, it, it's it's constructed pretty well. 
Yeah, but I guess what I was thinking of during this movie and maybe the book being out of the way and not really doing anything, um, one of the reasons we really liked episodes like Trash and Heart of Gold was because they were able to give everyone in the cast something to do. They don't really know what to do with the Nara or Shepard Book or Kaylee beyond a scene or two. Yeah. And that, I, you know, it might have been nice, you know, I can imagine a version of this that was structured more like just a heist, a standalone thing. For example, imagine a two-hour version of Ariel, for example. Yeah, um, yeah. That might have been an excellent thing, and that would have given each character a place. Otherwise, they just kind of seem superfluous. And I know this is very much Mal in the Operatives movie, but... I don't know. What I, I mean, I think it's also River's movie. Yeah. I and mean, I think that River is a big part of the movie, obviously. And I think All right, that... Yeah, Mal, River, and the Operative, they are the... And Simon is important to the movie. I don't know. I, I think that... All of the characters are important in some way, and I think that, you know, yeah, of course you can't give – they have nine main characters. I think that's what the number is. Yeah. You can't give them all the same amount of screen time. In a no, movie. no, of I course. I mean, movies need protagonists. Movies need a driving force like that. Um, but I think that especially with something like um, Book, for example – the movie doesn't do a very good job with him, and I think that he would be the character that would probably be one of the more confusing ones to someone that had not yeah. watched the show. I don't really know why he left. They don't really explain it. Uh, it seems like he's been gone a lot longer than eight months, yeah. which is not obviously correct, and we never really get a satisfactory answer to what exactly his his deal is you know and so i kind of feel like and of course the movie is not going to be and be able to answer all the questions of the show and it's i mean we don't get the the hands of blue for example yeah that but, they were dispatched of in a comic sure okay <laughs> i will never read it and apparently but, uh books backstory is dealt with in a comic that's just not satisfying to me and there they also talk about what happens to the characters afterwards Great. Comic. Great. Wonderful. Zoe is pregnant with Wash's baby. Of course she is. I, I, I think that, you know, if you want to look at this movie and you want to say it was a way for Joss Whedon to give the fans of the show yeah. a resolution of some of the bigger stuff in the show, because River was a big part of the show. Yes. I think that her mystery was a huge part of the show. And, you know, Book was not. And yeah. Nora was not. So the characters that do get a lot of screen time in the movie and the story as constructed, I think, does honor at least some of what the show was doing. Does it honor all of it? No, of course not. But that's very difficult to do. Yeah. I get, I get, and again, maybe a lot of the disappointment I feel about this is that is the disappointment I feel that, you know, again, after having done this, I really do feel... I, I think we've talked a lot about the wasted potential of this show, the missed opportunity of this show, and I guess I really wish there had been a five-season version of this and that this the story of Serenity had been told as season two, for example. I don't think there's any doubt of that, no. Yeah. I mean, I think that you have to look at this as a compromise. Yeah, of course. I and, mean, this is this is something that, that probably everyone was shocked even happened. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it is true. There was a... I mean, you know, unceremoniously canceled television shows that were on for three months usually don't get, you know, big budget action movies as a resolution <laughs> to the story. No, so, no, it the, is true. There, the, This is a... This is fan enthusiasm prevailing in a way. The, the fact that this movie exists at all is is kind of a miracle. I guess, and I do feel uh, this is something that we weren't able to get from this, but you could certainly un feel the way of 
you know, the couple, you, you know, you watched the series during its first one, you saw it on DVD, and then finally the movie comes out, it is like seeing old friends again, there is a very nice, again, the the, the cast's chemistry is as good as ever, you know, they're, they're excellent with each other, you can tell they, you know, there is this genuine sense of everybody liking each other, the feeling of them as a family is very palpable, and that is always very nice. Yeah. There is a very – I think you said charming. I mean there is a – this is a movie made with a lot of love. Oh, it is. Absolutely. I mean one of the one of the best I think indications of that is um, they, they had to rebuild the set yeah. of the ship. I mean they, they, they could not use it. It was gone. And so they had you know a team of set constructors and set designers that essentially used the DVDs as references yeah. and worked – you know, independently, but together to to reconstruct this the, the set of Serenity. Although, to be fair, I mean, I did see you know one of the behind the and the TV version of the set was stationary. This was one of those built on you know lifts so the ship could shake. Yeah, sure. You know, so certainly they may have built it anyway, rebuilt it anyway with a movie budget. And no, they didn't. No, they didn't want to. Mm. I mean, the the movie only had a budget of I think forty million dollars, okay, they... and they they did want to reuse the sets, but they were gone. They couldn't yeah. do it. So. I mean, I think once you rebuild something, you make it better because, of course, why not? You're rebuilding it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that – and I mean, you know, they do it. They did a really good job of it, and I think that really shows the, the level of care and detail that they, they wanted to put into this movie. Yeah. You know? I guess the last thing to talk about maybe before we kind of um, pivot over to a, to a brief discussion of, of Firefly as a whole is, you know, wh- what is the – the the po- I mean I understand the point of the Mister Universe character. It is a little bit cartoony. It does a yeah. little bit Joss Whedon-y. and he definitely would have been a recur that we we would have seen sure. him. That that's I guess one of the you know it's very clear we would have seen him in an episode or two earlier. So he does just kind of come out of nowhere. Maybe it would have been nicer to have him beat Badger, for example, or something like that. I don't I don't know another character, but I don't know another character who exactly would fit that kind of a role yeah yeah he very much wants this can't stop the symbol can't stop the signal to be this you know motto you get from the movie like that's that's a it, theme it, it is i mean the, the fact of his introduction and his existence and the fact that he is able to leave this message from mal the fact that mal has the the ability to send out this recording of what happened on yeah. miranda to to everybody in the in the in the solar system you know that's all very sort of pat and and you know easy but you know at the end of the day i think that again this is a self this is supposed to be a continuation of a television show, but it is it is also a self-contained movie. And so if we're not getting all of the nuance of the television show, yeah, I don't know that that's necessarily the fault of the movie. I think that it's a fault of the fact that it is a movie. That's you, fair, yeah. You know, you, you just, you can't get the entire flavor and the entire feeling of a TV show in a two-hour movie. Yeah, maybe if... Maybe, While also telling a story. Maybe we would have been able to establish, for example, that Mr. Universe, let's say he had a vlog that reached, you know, millions of people and they were uploading it there. Maybe that's my head canon about this. Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, so what about Firefly? Like, I mean, I think it's worth watching. Yes. I think it's definitely, um, it, it, it is a show that has a lot of charm. It is a show that is very entertaining. It has a lot to say. I think that it obviously is flawed and it was canceled before its time. But, you know, on the whole, I, I, I think it does hang together pretty well. Is this, the, I mean, is this the show, has the show had influence? Because I feel like it's the kind of show that, like, I don't know. Certainly, you know, I have you know my idea for a 
science fiction series and it's equal parts Star Trek and there is a lot of Firefly in there as well. Like, but of course I haven't written it yet, you know, so is it just that we have, you know, maybe we're going to soon see the ideas from this percolating? I I wouldn't think so. And, yeah. and, and the reason for that is, I mean, it could be, I, I don't know, but Firefly to me seems like one of those things that is mostly, it's mostly forgotten by people that aren't science fiction fans. Yeah. And certainly in science fiction circles, it is highly regarded. And I think it should be. I think it it is a, a, a monumental achievement, and it did do something different with the science fiction space genre. I don't. Part of the problem, I think, with saying that it doesn't have any influence, of course, is that space-based science fiction television shows have been thin on the ground for the past 10 or yeah. 15 years. You know, you had Battlestar Galactica, um, you know, Star Trek Enterprise was canceled um, three years after Firefly was canceled and there was no Star Trek on television, which was always the granddaddy of them all. Yeah. You know, aside from that, I mean, what was there? Yeah, is, I mean, maybe the news, maybe Brian Fuller's Star Trek is going to take some, you know, this this series certainly asked a lot of questions about the Federation and maybe... You know, Fuller Star Trek is going to answer a couple of those. I mean, I would say that in general, I would be surprised if Brian Fuller Star Trek really does anything with Firefly. Mm. You know, I think that it is one of those shows that is difficult to kind of know what the legacy of it is. It is kind yeah. of still a little bit too too soon, I think. And you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I maybe I want- be the best for it is for it to get the Battlestar Galactica treatment, where you know. 20 years from now, somebody decides to take the same basic premise and just makes the whole new show. It could be. I, don't I mean, know. maybe that's the best, you know, legacy that it could have. I don't know. That would feel a little churlish to me, though. I mean, I think that the show, part of the reason why the yeah. reboot Battle of Star Galactica worked was, of course, because the original was not that good. Yeah. And I don't think this needs to be remade. No, but at the same time, I don't know if you could really sequel it because, you know, what what are you going to do? You're either going to make another show set in the universe, which maybe, and maybe you could have a cameo from Mal or something like that, but I don't know if that would feel like the same show. At the same time, yeah, if you make the show with different actors and characters, you know, that charm may not be there. I don't know. I don't think Firefly holds up to being franchised. Yeah, and and it's funny how they've tried to do it. There's like a tabletop RPG book and a board game and a uh, an MMO, and they're all shitty. Right. I don't know. I, I I don't know what other point to make from that, but it's it's a shame. I, I I think at the end of the day, my feeling about Firefly is it's a shame. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that you know I really enjoyed watching it over these these past fifteen weeks, and yeah, it, it is one of those shows that I think is if I don't know. It's hard to say that it's a it's a hall it's a high mark of of the science fiction genre on television because it was so so unceremoniously canceled. I think that, you know, if it had been on for five or six years, it may have been, you know, one of the finest science fiction space television shows, you know, in existence. I don't know. And I also think that, you know, it is, I I would say that in general, it's probably better to look at it and say, it's a self-contained thing. It, It was canceled a little bit early. It does get somewhat of a resolution in the movie. The, the, the things that I think I will come away with from Firefly are not, these big questions about the Alliance and the war and the Reavers and all this kind of stuff, but, but really the characters. And I think that's what people are responding to the most. I think that 
all of the characters in the show are lively and have a lot of mm. um, a lot of life in them and are really well written and they're all very distinct and different. Yeah, at the I, I know a couple times we'd wondered if this was a cynical show or not, but I think the fact that I mean the movie ends with Mal making this speech about you know this very openly cheesy speech about how you know love is what keeps the ship flying and you know you have the best thing in the world if you don't give a damn about what you're doing and i mean certainly this you know one of the things about this movie is belief in something and if that is a standard hollywood you know message i don't know i i i've said many times it's one i always like because you know we live in a shitty world and there are a lot of you know there are a lot of shitty cynical movies out there and you know if this movie makes it very clear that space is a very deadly, dangerous place. Life is a very deadly, dangerous place, but uh, it is through love. It is through our connections with other people. It's by finding a crew that we can, and you know, good, good on it. I like being left with that message. No, I would agree with that. And I think that, that it is, I I also think that that is something that Joss Whedon has got away from in the latter part of his career. You know, I certainly think you can see that a lot in his, in his work on Buffy and his work on Angel and his work on Firefly. I don't know that you see it as much in things like the Avengers and agents of shield and and stuff like that. Which, you know, see, it sounds strange considering, you know, a superhero team is the definition of a, you know, a group of misfits. Uh, yeah, but they're also not really underdogs. Well that, you know, and that, and that's, I guess it, but you know, I mean, there always there always was this sense in in you know yeah. the, the three you know let's call them the trilogy of Joss Whedon, Buffy, Angel, and and Firefly that this was a group of people that were fighting against overwhelming odds, overwhelming forces. They were and a family. Who were also fighting against everyday odds. You know, remember Buffy, yeah. Buffy, Xander, and Willow at the beginning of the series are you know made fun of by the other characters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think that you see that in Angel too. So. It, it, it definitely I mean I think you get definitely can see a progression in Joss Whedon's early work and I think that you the Firefly slots into that very nicely I think it would have been nice to see where this went I think it's a shame that the yeah. show was canceled early and you know yeah I think that that any anything else that I'm left with with Firefly is that you know I'm going to miss these characters and I I wish that I would have been able to see more of these characters yeah because I like them a lot you know I don't yeah. like all of them equally I like some more than others but I like them and that is very i mean that's why we watch television right yeah. we watch television for characters that we like or find interesting or find compelling for some reason and i think that's why people responded to this so much yeah and not maybe say battle circle for example <laughs> but again given that there were you know it, it is a major accomplishment that there are nine major characters and we have a sense of all of them and even many of the supporting characters we have a very good sense of and and how many shows were unceremoniously canceled halfway through their first season that you can remember at yeah. all? I think that, that that shows, if nothing else, the the impact that Firefly has had is that yeah. people, you know, in certain circles, you know, I think if I texted my mother right now and said, hey, do you remember the show Firefly? She'd be like, what the hell is Firefly? Yeah. But obviously in certain circles, Firefly is very highly regarded and very well remembered. And I think that's, you know, that's a good thing. And I think it's it's definitely something that's worthy of worthy of that kind of reputation and worthy of being revisited from time to time. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we revisited it now. Yeah, I am too. And I'm glad you were along for the ride with us. That I was talking to the listeners at home. I yeah, I got that. Or, you know, at the gym or in their car, wherever they are. Yes. Well, I think that's it for Firefly, unless you have anything else to say. Uh, Speak now or forever hold your peace. I liked it.
that's very, Thank very you. well done, Richard. Thank you. I am very proud of you. Hooray. That is the most salient thing you've ever said. <laughs> well, we will reveal what we're doing for our next show next Ooh. week. But before that, if you have any thoughts on this episode of the podcast or Firefly as a whole, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuningandshow.com. If you've enjoyed our 15-episode look at Firefly, if you're enjoying our other show, Truck About, please do go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give us a little bit of money if you can. Uh, we have a special episode every month for people that give us $5 a month or more. Um, so look for that if you give us $5 a month or more. And also our other podcast, Truck About, which next week we are going to be doing. Uh, we're kind of in the middle of the sixth season of DS9 right now. We're going to be doing the episodes Far Beyond the Stars and One Little Ship. Shit's getting real, I think. Yeah, it is. Huh. We're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, tuning in show. And as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review. And now it's that time <gasps> where we tell you, our loyal listeners of tuning in, what show we're going to do next. Now, this is one that Eric and I have both seen already and are excited to both revisit. Yes, because I watched this show. I think I watched it when it was on, actually. It was okay. on from, what, 2009 to like 2011, I think. And uh, it's a little bit of an offbeat When Eric told choice. me about it, I was like, why would I watch that? And I thought it was going to be terrible. It turned out to be very wonderful. It's uh, It's surprisingly good. It is... One of my favorite shows, I think, even though I haven't watched it since uh, the first yeah. time, you know, because I, I don't know. I don't revisit shows that much. And uh, I think it's a show that a lot of people kind of forgot about and, yeah. and kind of made fun of while it was on because it did have uh, a reputation because someone worked on it that a lot of people kind of had a bad reaction to. Uh, so we're dancing around this because we like doing that. Yay. But uh, the next show we're going to be doing is The United States of Terra. Created by Diablo Cody. Yes, and we will get all into that and, and Diablo Cody and the, the history of the show and Steven Spielberg. and Honest to blog, it's going to be a great time for everybody. Juno is a fantastic movie, and I will not have you say anything bad about it. I disagree with you, but that's okay. You that's haven't why seen it in years. Yes, well, and I hated it when I saw it for it's every really, reason. It's really good. It's really good. Anyway. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about that. It is uh, only three seasons, 12 episodes per season, so it's going to be 18 podcasts. So a little bit longer than um, a little bit longer than Firefly, but we're going to be doing two episodes a week. Okay. Uh, they're only 20, I think they're only 25 minutes, 30 minutes. So it's easy to watch along. It's on Netflix. If you've never seen it, um, it's really, really good. I cannot stress enough how good it is. So it has one of the best... Uh, realistic depictions of a gay teenager I've ever seen on television. He's adorable. Um, the main character, the actress whose name is escaping me. Oh, uh, what's what the hell is her name? Is uh, um, very she was very in good. that movie about Muriel's wedding. Yes, her. Um, Tony Collette. There you go, Tony Collette. It's very good. So give it a list. Give it a listen and give it a watch. We're going to be talking about the first two episodes of that show pilot. <laughs> I love it when TV shows do that. It's like, I would take it to give it a name. It's like a self-titled album. Like, way to have no creativity. Right. Or like uh, when they make the second album, two. Yeah, so we'll talk about the first episode, Pilot, which is Haha the Pilot, and uh, the second episode, which is called Aftermath. So look forward to that. I'm looking forward to revisiting it. Mac, why do you...